This is the Color Pencil Podcast, session number 276. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Color Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I am your host. This is the Color Pencil Podcast. Today I'm answering another question in the question call-in series, so let's go ahead and listen to today's question. Thank you, John, for these educational podcasts. I have a question. Uh, if you want to do good values, uh, what's the best way to start with the darkest values or the light and go to the lightest? Or vice versa, starting from the light values and going to the dark values. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for the question. What do you do? How do you build up good values? If you want your values to be strong, you want them to be good, as our caller put it, how do you do this? Do you build from? So there's two uh, different possible scenarios that she pointed out, and I rightly agree with these two, and that is, do you start with the dark and build to the light or vice versa from the light to the dark? Okay, so this is so different than when we're talking about other uh, mediums, and we could discuss, So I suppose, some of the differences between other mediums, but I will just tell you that my preference is to go from the dark values and then build into the light values. Okay, now, then I also want to put an asterisk in there. I, I, I have a caveat to that because it's not necessarily um, as cut and dried as that may seem because I'm not building from the darkest value that I will have by the time I'm done with my drawing. I'm building in that direction and I'm looking for the shadows and the darkest recessed areas in the composition first and then I'm building over into the lighter compositions I'm working my way into those areas but I'm not using uh, my darkest value yet okay let me explain I'm using a pretty dark pencil when I start out a lot of times in portraits I'm using dark indigo as my first pencil to get an initial laydown of values. That's a very dark pencil. However, I'm not pressing very hard. So let's talk about working on Stonehenge paper, which is a, a classical sort of approach, if we can call it that, to colored pencil work. Okay. If I'm working on Stonehenge, a very soft cotton paper, and I want to protect the tooth of the paper, then I want to work very gradually and build up those values very methodically and slowly, and I want to take care that I'm not damaging my paper. And so I'm going to build up the dark values first, and so this is what we typically would refer to as a grizzeye method. And you can look that up uh, if you're interested in what a grizzly method is. But for the most part, if we want to wrap this up nice and neatly, all it really means is that we are working in a monochromatic way. We're working with a gray scale or some other muted down type of color first. Now, I think that probably the reason why this came about is because this is a classical approach to art 
And if you studied art classically, then you started with drawing. And you started most often probably with graphite, charcoal. And so that's what you were used to. When you came to oil painting then, you started using the same type of methodology in your value studies. You're working in a glazed layer of this underpainting being all values and then working on top of that with more glazes of uh, color then. But the ability that we have to work in colored pencil from light to dark or dark to light give, affords us an opportunity then to make some independent choices about it. The reason that I gravitate towards using dark values first and then uh, working on the entire composition and moving in the direction of lighter values is because it gives me the chance to work out any of the technical de uh, details and difficulties that I may have in the composition early on in the piece. And so that is a great advantage. And so the reason that I do it is because it's easy. It makes everything so much easier. And you know what happens when you slow down and you take your time and you're only concerned about one thing at a time. I'm concerned about values, you know, uh, pretty early on. And then later on, I'm concerned about color. And so if I don't have to mix those two concerns as I'm progressing through the piece, then I've just made my job a lot easier. Okay, so... You know, the, the sort of the stages of the drawing process that I think about when I'm working on something that I enjoy and that I'm doing for myself or, you know, it's just something that I want to do. And it's not a commission piece. We'll put it that way. That's the freedom that I would have working on something that isn't going to a client. Okay. So what am I going to do when I'm working on my own stuff, the stuff that I want to work on and the, the pieces that I want to express? I'm going to be concerned about line, shape, value, and then color in that order. So uh, if it's a commission piece, especially if it's a portrait, um, and if I have a tight deadline, I don't have a lot of time, I'm probably going to trace my initial uh, line drawing, at least the outline of the image onto and get that image onto my paper. Now, it depends on what I'm using. If I'm using Stonehenge, then certainly I'm going to do that if that's possible. Uh, if it's not possible, if I'm using pastel mat or a sanded paper or a board of some sort, something where I can't trace it, then I'm going to, um, you know, try to help myself out as much as possible by using uh, a ruler and, and other measurements, um, other measuring devices to be able to get an accurate line drawing on uh, my, my paper and my initial surface. And then after you do that, you know, somebody, there, there's always, always going to be those that say, oh, that's cheating. That's not the real thing then. You're not really drawing if you're, um, you know, creating, getting some help with creating the line drawing. Well, I don't feel bad about doing that because the masters uh, even used supports and aids, camera obscura, uh, and uh, a lot of other things to be able to get accuracy in their depictions of uh, real life. Okay. But anyway, we'll lay all that aside. Here's, here's the other thing about it. Even if you trace an outline, even if it's just the shape of the head, believe it or not, you can still get the shape of the head wrong. You can still start shading 
and get it wrong. And so this is the reason why lines are important, shapes are important, the overall, uh, you know, thinking about the overall mass of whatever it is we're trying to depict. It's important to understand what this uh, specific uh, construction of this object is and what it's doing in space. Because remember, we're, we're creating something that is an illusion. And so I have to be concerned about all those things. And building up everything at the same time is one of the other things that makes my job easier. Now, I know there's a lot of my counterparts and, and a lot of my colored pencil friends that don't do that. They work in little tiny sections at a time. And I'm not saying anything bad about that or against that. All I'm saying is that I think this approach is something that works for me, is building everything up slowly, methodically, and with the same concern at each stage in the drawing process. And so when I start with the darkest, recessed areas of a portrait, let's just say of a portrait, let's talk about that for a moment. This is pretty easy to think about. What's the darkest area of a portrait? Well, it's always going to be the pupils. Nearly always, 99.9% uh, .9 of the time, it's going to be the pupil. Okay, there may be other areas of the portrait that are equal in value to the pupil. What would that be? Probably the upper corner of the nostril, where we can't see down inside the nostril, right? So right there near the tip of the nostril, it's going to be very, very dark right there where we have that hard edge. On the bottom side of the nostril, we see a gradation in value that goes from dark to light, right? As we get near the philtrum, uh, moving away from the septum, that base root of the nose, and then moving into uh, the philtrum. And so because of that, we've got very, very dark values that we're going to fill in. We're going to fill in the pupil, the nostrils. We're going to fill in probably some area around the neck and maybe a corner of the eye. Uh, and there may be, and then the upper crease and the upper eyelid, uh, those folds of skins, the, the folds of skin right there. There may be some other areas as well. There may be some areas uh, near the ear, things like that. But we're going to work in that way. And from, the, you know, from that process, we're going to build out this dark area and then after I get those dark areas done, I'm going to go back to those areas and I'm going to keep building out even more. And I'm going to build it up very, very slowly, putting the next value in there. Say the pupil was a 10 or a 9, then the next value is going to be a 9 or an 8, right? And I'm going to keep moving in that direction, filling in all the darks, and then move into the direction next of the lights. And when I do that and I think about all these things with equal concern as I build up the drawing, then I have created something that is easier for me to express color on top of. So all that's left by the time I'm done is to go back in there and choose the colors that I want. Now, I probably chose those ahead of time. But go back in there with color th this time and then shade everything in a direction that it needs to go uh, with uh, leaning it in whatever direction it needs to go with 
the proper colors that I want to put on my top layer. And uh, several layers of pencil uh, above that or on top of that. Now here's, here's the other thing that happens. When you start in this way and you build up the drawing slowly and methodically like that, not only does it uh, help you quite a bit and, and you're doing yourself a lot of favors by building it up in that way, but the other thing is the subsequent pencil layers go down so much easier when you already have pencil layers placed on the paper. And so you get rid of some of the initial uh, scratchiness or unevenness in the paper surface. You get rid of uh, having um, to take a lot of care in the, the way that you uh, put the pencil to the paper, you know, the pressure that you're applying to the paper. There's so many other things that happen when you build up the, the, the uh, drawing in this way from an entire uh, concern for the entire drawing and you build it up slowly overall and evenly. And at any stage in the drawing process, you can look at it and you can say, hey, this actually looks like whatever it is you're drawing. Rather than it look like some little patch of something that you're drawing, it looks exactly like whatever the subject is. I've actually had clients tell me, wow, every update, I don't give them updates very often anymore when I do commissions, but when I used to, they would say every update, it looks like it's finished. And then I see the next update and it gets better and better every single time. Well, that feels good to hear that. But beyond that, the cool thing about it is if I ever want to be motivated about the drawing process and to keep going and to reach the finish line, all I got to do is look at my drawing and say, wow, I'm, I'm getting close because I can see this person emerging off of my paper right before my eyes. And so it kind of just propels us forward, gives us the motivation and the energy to keep going and not stopping. All right. I hope that helped. That was maybe a little bit of a long-winded answer to that question, but I think it's important to think in that direction of building from those dark values to the light values. I don't know that it would work very well going in the other direction. I do know a lot of colored pencil artists that do work from light to dark, and there are exceptions uh, you know, in between there, here and there, as you build in the in the uh, color area and you start to get towards the final layers because sometimes you'll want to shift colors back and forth between dark values and light values. And when that starts to happen, so that really is beyond the scope, I think, of this question, then I don't always just run to my white and say, oh, i got to grab white. Uh, this is getting too dark over here. That can leave you with a very milky and muddy looking surface. And I, I don't recommend doing that. I know a lot of color pencil artists do, and they think they've got um, the key to whichever is the, the best whites to use, and that's that sort of thing. Um, I just don't subscribe to that. I, I think that each scenario and each different uh, composition and piece will dictate which color palette you'll want to use in leaning something in a lighter direction from time to time. And so you'll figure that out as the artist. You will grow, you'll develop all these tools and these abilities. Uh, you know, you'll have your tool belt full of all of these tricks and you'll be able to execute on these things from a source of knowledge and understanding and more importantly than anything, experience. 
because you've got to get some of this drawing under your belt before you're going to be able to make these independent decisions and choices. And, uh, you know, it happens for everyone. I mean, we, we, we feel like we're not growing. We feel like we're not getting anywhere and we keep trying things. And, and a lot of times we feel like, oh, I failed at this one. Oh, this is a failure over here. Or, but I don't really look at drawing and the process of learning how to draw as failing anyway. I look at it as some necessary feedback in your development. And early on in the process, you're working on things that you're not necessarily going to be married to anyway. You know that this is practice. This is how you learn is by doing. There's really no other way around it. We may think that someone has a magic bullet out there. Someone can tell us something that will just you know put it over the edge but really what we need is encouragement we need we need the tools yes we need to be told what is possible and what we can do and i can never overstate the importance of having a mentor a trusted friend maybe a spouse uh, somebody who can give you some honest and real feedback and not oh that's the most beautiful picture but tell you some things that will help you to grow that will help you to see where there's some areas for growth and what you could do in a particular area it's so so critical but some of the legwork some of the grunt work that all of that has to be done by you you have to unpack a lot of that yourself and no one can uh, gain experience for you that's something you have to go through so all right I hope that that helped and uh, great question if you've got a question you would like for me to answer all you've got to do is go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast and there's a banner over on the right hand side click on it and you'll be able to send a voicemail over or you can just send a voicemail from your from your cell phone or you can call a number you can call 513-301-0005 this is a weekly show and i'll talk to you again next week and until then stay sharp bye-bye Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.